Wow, this is, this is great seeing everybody here today. Um, my name's Dale Ridgeway. I'm from Illinois, but now I'm solidly planted in eastern Tennessee, me and my wife Pam are. <laughs> I uh, was honored and humbled that uh, Dallas asked me to read this passage of scripture. Uh, because it has a special significance in my life, and I'll explain that after we read the word together. So if you'd like to, in your Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke, uh, starting with the, the uh, story about the walk to Emmaus. On that same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about all the things that had happened. And as they talked and discussed, Jesus himself drew near and walked along with them. They saw him, but somehow they did not recognize him because they were kept from seeing him. Jesus said to them, what are you talking about to each other as you walk along? They stood still, and they were there with sad faces. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have been happening there these last few days? What things, he asked. The things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. This man was a prophet and was considered by God and by all the people to be powerful in everything he said and did. Our chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and he was crucified. And we had hoped that he would be the one who was going <laughs> to set Israel free. Besides all that, this is now the third day since it's happened. Some of the women of our group surprised us. They went at dawn to the tomb, but they could not find his body. They came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who told them that he's alive. Some of our group went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, How foolish you are! How slow you are to believe everything the prophets said! Was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and then to enter into his glory? And Jesus explained to them what was said about himself in all the scriptures, beginning with the book of Moses and the writing of all the prophets. And as they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going a little farther. But they had him, held him back, saying, Please, stay with us. The day is almost over, and it's getting dark. So he went to stay with them. He sat down to eat with them, took the bread, and said the blessing, and then he broke the bread and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. <clears throat> and they said to each other, wasn't it like a fire burning within us when he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They got up at once and went back to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven disciples gathered together with the others and saying, the Lord is risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. And the two then explained to them what had happened 
on the road and how they had recognized the Lord when he broke the bread. <clears throat> Fifty years ago, this scripture was probably one of the most important things in my life, and it changed my life, uh, just like it changed these two people. Um, I had had all the stories of, heard the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the crossing the Red Sea, but it wasn't until I heard this scripture and read it and heard it expounded that I realized that for me, all real living was meeting a resurrected Lord face to face. And after that, it changed my life completely. Uh, everywhere I went, I was going around telling everybody about the resurrection. Hey, did you know Jesus rose from the dead? Did you know Jesus rose from the dead like a little kid? And passing out little booklets on evidence. So today, I hope that you, if you've never before met your resurrected Lord face to face, you'll do that through the, the worship service and through uh, Dallas's preaching. Uh, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Thank you, Dale. Appreciate that a lot. Morning. How is everybody? Y'all doing well? Happy Easter to you. Hey, if you have your Bibles, just like Dale said, turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to spend most of our time there this morning. As you're turning there, I want to tell you just a very quick story. A few weeks ago, I was hanging out with a guy named Danny who goes to church here, and he asked me a question. He said, um, he said, Dallas, how are things going in your new role as pastor? And I said, honestly, really better than I could have ever imagined. And he said something to me that just stood out to me so much. I've been thinking about it so much. He said, well, Dallas, that's because your imagination is limited, but God's isn't. And I didn't know whether to be offended in that moment or, <laughs> or what, but, but man, that's so true, isn't it? And we see on Easter Sunday very clearly this truth, don't we? The resurrection of Jesus blows away our wildest expectations. And what we realize on Easter Sunday is often we think that our hopes sort of outshine our current reality, right? We're in this moment and we think, man, I hope if just this thing can happen, then everything will fall into place. But what we learn on Easter Sunday is that our current reality is far greater than anything we could have ever hoped or imagined. That our human mind is so limited. And we don't think that way often. We know that we have human limitations. But we don't often think about limitations in terms of our dreams or imaginations or our hopes. But we see on Easter Sunday that, man, our current reality is so much better than anything we could have ever hoped. Let's get into Luke chapter 24. We're going to pick up a little bit of what Dale said um, here for us. Thank you, Dale. Awesome job reading that. Um, Jesus has hidden himself from these two disciples. It's post-resurrection, and he's uh, talking to them like he's a stranger. And he asks, essentially, what's going on in town? What's all this about? Don't you just love how Jesus approaches things, right? That He's sort of hidden from them, and he's kind of acting like a stranger, and he says, hey, what's going on? And they respond with this uh, in, in verse 19. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief uh, priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem 
Israel. Now let's stop right there. Let's listen to this statement. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Now maybe that statement seemed wildly optimistic in that time. But we realize now that that statement was actually very much short-sighted, wasn't it? That he didn't just come to redeem Israel. He came to redeem all mankind. And he didn't just come as a prophet. He didn't just come in the name of the Lord. He came as God, as the Lord. So again, we see this theme that the current reality that they're experiencing is far greater than anything that they could have ever hoped. And maybe you come in this morning and you think your reality is not very good. Maybe you're holding on to hope that one day things will be better. Maybe you hoped that you'd make it into the kingdom one day. But the reality is that Jesus has brought the kingdom to the earth now for us. Or maybe you've hoped that that God would love you one day if you just did enough. But your current reality is that he loves you so much more than you could possibly ever even imagine. Or maybe you come in just like the prodigal son this morning who thought, man, I would love it. Wouldn't it be great after all that I've done? Wouldn't it be great if I could just be like a hired servant? And yet, his current reality all along was that he was viewed as a son to the father. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you think, you know what, that there's all these hopes and all these dreams that I have, but I've never really stopped to consider that because of the resurrection of Jesus, my current reality blows away all that I could have ever hoped and dreamed. You can go ahead and believe this morning that that is true, that that is true because of the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples didn't quite understand this yet in Luke chapter 22. God had not granted them the understanding of this truth yet as he's a masked stranger lovingly and graciously one more time explaining this to them. Let's look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I just find that so interesting. I wish I wish he sort of mapped out like what the things were that he said, what he referred back to, but we don't know that. But he could have been going back to Exodus 12 and referring to the fact that he is that spotless Passover lamb. Or he could have been going back to Exodus 16 and say that he is the manna from heaven, just like he referred back to in John chapter 6. Or maybe he went into Exodus 17 where it says that he is the true rock to be split in order to release the water of life. Or maybe he referred back to Leviticus 1 through 7 with all the different offerings. And he said that, that I am the fulfillment of all those offerings. Or maybe Deuteronomy 18, 15 that says that he is the prophet who was unlike Moses to come. Or how about Deuteronomy 21 which says um, maybe that he is the one who was hanged on a tree and cursed by God. Or how about Psalm 22, a direct quote. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his hands were pierced and his feet were pierced. Or how about Psalm 69, 21, the Messiah's cry of thirst and he was given vinegar to drink. Or how about Daniel 9, the prophecy of 69 times 7 of the rebuilding of the temple and the coming of the Messiah. Or Zechariah 12, 10, Israel would look at the one who, ha- who they had pierced. 
Or you could look at Isaiah 52, 13. Behold, my servant will prosper and will be lifted up. His appearance was marred more than any other man. Or maybe he went into Isaiah 53, which says he was despised and forsaken, not esteemed, stricken, afflicted, pierced, crushed for our iniquities, and by his wounds we are healed. All of these things point to the death of the perfect sacrifice, Jesus this is how it had to be all along. And so, so Jesus so graciously explains this to them again. And their eyes are open and they see that, that it is him before he leaves them. And they get up at once and they go back to Jerusalem and they just proclaim in verse 34. They say, it is true. It is true. Everything that we could have ever hoped, it's more than that. It is true. He is the Messiah and He defeated sin and death once and for all. It is true. It is true. And I don't know how you come in this morning, but I need you to believe that truth, that it is true. All authority, all power, he's defeated death, and it is true this morning. And so you come in this morning, maybe you're thinking, man, my reality is just not good, but I'm here to tell you our current reality blows away our wildest expectations because of the resurrection of Jesus this morning. And you know, there are many in this room who, um, man, just over the last year, you've just been through it, you know, things like isolation, things like depression, things like loneliness, things like divorce, things like friends and family going through suicide, things like losing your own kids, and man, you're here this morning, you just... And I just, I just hope that there's a reality beyond this. I mean, I just hope that there's something more. I hope, I hope there's something more here. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it is true. It is true. That there is a transcendent reality even far beyond these terrible, terrible things. I want you to hold on to hope this morning that it is true. That when you encounter the resurrected Jesus, you you start to realize it is true. It is true. And you may come in this morning and you say, but, but I had hoped that isolation would not overtake me. I'm here to tell you it is true. It will not. It will not overtake you. It doesn't end with isolation. But I'd hoped that depression wouldn't take me, and it's not the end. It is true. Depression is not the end. Or you maybe hoped that your friend who committed suicide, that that wouldn't be the end. I'm here to tell you, it's not the end. Or that child, you'd hoped that the one who died, that would be okay. You said, but we had hoped that she would be okay. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it is true that she's okay. That it doesn't end here. It ends with the resurrection of Jesus. Man, many of you have just been flat through it over this past year. And you can take solace in the fact that Jesus went through it too. And while we could never overcome these situations that we're encountering, Christ has overcome that situation. And he says that if we die with him, we will be raised up with him as well. 2 Timothy 2.11 says this, this is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we stay on the vine, if we abide in him, then we will be raised up with him beyond all these circumstances that we undoubtedly have encountered and will continue 
to encounter. Y'all, the question is not whether there's enough evidence to say that Jesus is above it all, that his authority is above it all. We see that with the resurrection. The question now is whether or not we will believe this truth. And here's what's so great about Jesus. That if you don't believe, man, if you just have a posture of openness and humility and repentance, he will help you believe further. Let's keep reading right here in verse 36. He appears to a larger group here of disciples, and he says this in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Right? I mean, think about it. If I don't think this doesn't say they heard a door open here, right? I mean, Jesus just suddenly appears. Let's be honest here. All of our reactions, right? Whoa, what's going on here? Verse 37. They were startled and frightened. No, I read that. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Now, this seems like a little subtle rebuke from Jesus, doesn't it? But to me, how comforting is it for our Lord and Savior to say, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Why do you doubt? Everything's going to be okay. I mean, don't you picture Jesus saying that? Guys, let me remind you again. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. You can go ahead and believe that my authority is above your situation. Go ahead. It's okay. Believe it. It is true. You can believe it here today. Verse 39. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Y'all, isn't he just the same? For those of you who were here on uh, Wednesday night a couple weeks ago, isn't he just the same as he was in Exodus 34? That isn't he compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness as he just walks them through this one more time and says, yeah, you can believe. You, you don't believe yet? You think I'm a ghost? Okay, look at my flesh and bones. And then the, maybe they're thinking like, is this some like weird like biology conforming ghost or something? And they're still kind of like on edge, right? And he says, give me a piece of fish to eat. I'll show you. I'll show you. As their posture is just humble and open to receiving, Jesus continues to meet them in that space. And this is where their lives change forever. This is where their lives change forever. And I hope that this is where our lives change forever too. As they encounter the resurrected Jesus and they see, I mean, the best we could have hoped is to kind of move on with our lives. We lost Jesus. We loved Jesus. He was a great teacher. We kind of gave our lives to him. We followed him everywhere. And now it's the end. And the best I can hope is just to be able to move on with my life. And yet in this moment of encountering the resurrected Jesus, everything changes. And it blows away their wildest expectations. Verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, 
beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the very end of Luke's gospel account, and maybe this should be the end for us as well. Maybe wouldn't it, wouldn't it be awesome for our lives to be full of praising and worshiping God with great joy? And for us, when we go from, but we had hoped, to it is true, we will begin to experience great joy. And no one and nothing can take that away. And this reality struck Paul in Romans 8 when he says, um, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. All of our hopes, all of our dreams are nothing compared to what is actually true right now. You know, we live in a culture that I think dreams pretty small. I mean, I really do. I think we, we have dreams for ourselves. We have aspirations for our own lives, and we have these tiny little dreams and these narrow little desires. In church, I think it's time for us to dream a bit bigger. It's time to focus on something beyond the self and broaden our horizons. And when we do, we will see a transformative life because of the resurrection of Jesus. Guys, it's Sunday. And I, I'm going to say something maybe that's a little bit controversial here, but there won't be any more Fridays. We might feel in our hearts a Friday, but there won't be any more Fridays. It is Sunday, the tomb is empty, and it will never be Friday again. Y'all, the limitations have been shattered, so you can go ahead and dream big, knowing that even those dreams will be nothing compared to the current reality that we have in a resurrected Christ Jesus. So, as we leave here in a few minutes this morning, what would it look like for us to go from, but we had hoped, to declaring once and for all, it is true. It is true. And is there anything that's preventing you from declaring in your heart this morning that it is true? And if there is, the altars are going to be open Man, I would love to pray with you. I say that every week, and I mean it. I would love to pray with you. So if there are things that are preventing you from just saying, man, I, I just don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't believe that it's actually true that my current reality is far greater than anything I could have ever imagined. I'd love to pray with you about that. Y'all, because of the resurrection of Jesus, everything for all time will be different. We can leave here and we can declare with confidence that it is true. I mean, can you imagine these disciples in verse 34? They encounter Jesus and they say, it's true. It's all true. Everything we'd ever hoped, it's all true. And then some. Y'all, we can declare that this morning. That it is all true. And it will always be true forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the, the graciousness that you continue to show us. I mean, your patience your affections, your love to, 
to not only rise from the dead, but then continue to pursue our hearts, to continue to help us to believe more and more and more. Father, you're such a gracious God. And Father, you're such a powerful God too. I mean, who else counts the stars and knows them by name? Nobody has the authority and the power of you. So when you say it is finished, it is finished. And so, Father, help us to believe this morning that it is Sunday. We are in your kingdom. We will always be in your kingdom. You have said that no one can snatch us out of your hand. And so we declare to you, yes, Father, we are liberated. Our reality is greater than we could have ever imagined because of the resurrection of Jesus. And so this morning, Father, I pray, stir in our hearts, stir our affections for you. Help us to declare with confidence that truth because you are greater. Father, I've seen it in my life. Paralyzed by panic and now I proclaim the Prince of Peace. Man, you are powerful and you are good. And so, Father, there may be people in this room who have never declared that with confidence. And I pray this morning that this will be the moment that they do that. And, Father, for those here who have, I pray that you'll give them a little more belief in your name here this morning as well. Help us to take steps to become more like you this morning. Because there's nothing better we can do with our lives than that. And, Father, one more request I have from you. Help us to go from here with great joy in your name. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.